Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 314 for December 31st, 2020. Today's guest is writer and performer Tom DeTrinis, who will be talking with me about his latest show, which is only running for another week or two, Making Friends. We had a great conversation. This is one of those talks, I think I said this last week too, and I've been having a lot of these lately where like the conversation comes like at the get-go we're like boom in it so this is a really good conversation and um i can't wait to share it with you i'm your host michael heron i'm a composer pianist electronic musician storyteller and activist based in new york city on this podcast i have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world i've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years if you like what you hear subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at mikeypod.com or just search for mikeypod in your favorite podcast podcast directory now like like so many there now there are podcast directories in india which i've just been added to so you can find this literally anywhere eh, mostly if you'd like to know more about me stop by my website at michaelheron.com hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron or email mikeypod at gmail.com hello i'm gonna keep this intro brief uh sadly <laughs> my podcasting kind of started stumbling. I was on a roll for a few months there. And then these last couple of weeks, I guess, understandably, with the holidays and everything, I haven't been as solid with my Monday releases as I have. Do not fear. I'll be back on it in 2021. I I felt really good to keep this thing going. I have some really, really good interviews um, in the can, as it were. And um, I'm very excited to share these with you. Lately, every interview I've finished, I come off of it like, That was so good. Like, so happy with how they're going. So um, I've got composers coming up for you, a classical pianist, uh, a 17-year-old children's book writer. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up. I left a person out. Oh, and a classical guitarist. Oh, that was such a good one. Um, Maybe that's going to be my first one of 2021. Anyway, so there's lots of good stuff coming if you're not subscribed already. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher or go to MikeyPod.com in the show notes. You'll see in the right-hand column, there are a lot of different links there for different places you can subscribe to the podcast. So I want to tell you about one other thing. Uh, I did quarterly zines for a while that I was releasing on Patreon. And a zine, if you don't already know, is a little handmade magazine. And each one contains an original story and an original piece of music. And you can only get it on Patreon. And I do it for a limited time with these hand-bound by me little zines um, and designed by Luke Curtis at uh, uh, bdstudios.com. So there's a new one coming out. I'm doing a special offer that'll start on Monday for two weeks. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be talking about it on the podcast. I'm always trying to like walk that line between making sure I tell you about the projects that I'm doing, if you're interested in doing them and, and you know, participating uh, it, you have to subscribe on Patreon for 10 bucks a month to get a subscription to this zine. I'm trying to watch, walk the line between making sure I tell people in a, in a way that is uh, beneficial to my business as a creative person and also not <laughs> alienating anyone. So hoping to walk that line very politely. If I get too far on the alienating side this time around, please forgive me. I'm really trying to and this is something I talk about a lot on the podcast. I'm really trying to honor my own work and say, this is important to me. And I want to tell people about it. And I want people to have this thing. And I want to, you know, make this cycle of creating work and and people taking it and accepting it and buying it and participating in this whole exchange. Patreon makes it really great for that to happen. Did I just cross the line? patreon.com slash Michael Heron for more information. And I'll be talking about on the podcast. Um, and you'll see on my social media stuff, obviously. So um, I think that's everything. I have a song to play for you uh, from Walker Lukens, longtime friend of the show. I was thinking, what do I play today? What do I play? And Walker's voice came into my head. Play my music. Uh, this is a track of his. Um, it's from 2017. The album is called Tell It to the Judge. This track is called Every Night, and after this, we'll hear from Tom DeTrinis.
a cop with the skin on my teeth Cause every night It's the same to see You can check it out You can keep it in if you need it And every night It's the same old beast And it's got your neck And both of you looking at Joining me now on the podcast is Tom DeTrenis, who is the creator and performer of the show Making Friends, which I'm going to learn so much about. It's kind of fun to, to, to talk about a show I haven't seen yet. Um, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm super excited to talk to you. I was just watching, you sent me a link to um, Finding the Asshole. Yes. Which, and I waited till too late. I haven't seen all the episodes, but it's so weird and like great. Oh, it's very weird. It's very weird. Um, my friend Melissa Stevens, um, who's actually a co-producer on this Making Friends show, she came to me, uh, I think it was about, is it three years now? Yeah, it's about three years ago. And we were just like, I was producing a play at the time with the I Am a Theater Company, the same theater company that's putting out this show, which she and I are both ensemble members of. And um, she and I were just doing stupid comedy bits with each other, just like dumb, dumb, <laughs> stupid, like, idiot things about like how we should go to lunch and then never actually go to lunch. Um, <laughs> which makes me laugh a lot. Cause that's something that's very, very, I feel like New York and LA, you see someone like, Oh my God, it's so good. To, we got to get lunch. We have to get lunch. Oh my and God, we, we really mean it. Like everyone means it, I think. And we, we just, it. but we never follow through. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And we were just talking about how much assholes we are for doing that. And the next thing, you know, we were making these videos about how, Everyone is an asshole. And it's basically like, where's Waldo of assholes? So <laughs> there's no one in any of the films that we've made. There's three of them at this point. N everyone's a fucking dick. So no matter who you look at, you're like, oh, there's, oh, well, they're maybe they're nice. No, they're not. They're 100% garbage. Everyone is a garbage person. <laughs> living in their own garbage person world. And so we that first one that we did um, got into Slamdance in 2019. And... Um, uh, that was just like a one shot. I don't know which one you got to watch, but that was just, uh, it was like a five, it's about five and a half minutes long and it's just this continuous shot the entire time. And I play this asshole It's <laughs> <laughs> working in like a very high end, um, store, uh, like kind of like on Melrose Avenue, like just Los Angeles trash. And, um, I'm just like completely not, I'm just not a real human being. I just am not. And so it's just like my, my workings with and seeing the other people that come in and out of the store. Yeah. So that's the one I watch. It's, it's the first episode, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's so good. So everyone who's listening, it's, uh, find, finding, finding the asshole, find, say that. Yeah. Finding the asshole.com. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> From the get go, from like this isn't what we're going to talk about, but I guess it's fresh in my mind. My mind that just the the logo and the opening sequence is so just like I saw it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna love this. Yep. You know exactly what's going to happen just from the jump. And Melissa has such a crazy ass brain, and she just always is so weird. Um, so um, that's why I really love working with her because she just goes to really crazy places. Um, and that's kind of how this was all born. Because in the second episode, um, we're like, there's these French tourists that interrupt these other people on the street. And like, I start getting a bloody nose. <laughs> and in the last one, um, there's like a, it's like a serial killer at like a 90s house party. It's just very weird. Very, very weird. But it's something I love. But, you know, who cares if anyone else likes it? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think that's what makes it so good. Like, it's very clearly like... I have this idea. I'm just going to make this idea without regard for, I mean, it's, it feels very pure. I think that's the, the thing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I actually got involved. Uh, if we bring it to the show, that's how I got involved with the I Am A Theater Company because my friend um, Stephanie Black, 
who is the artistic director of this theater company, she um, brought me in to produce that play that Melissa was um, acting in. Mm -hmm. That's how Melissa and I met. And Stephanie and I met out here in L.A. being stupid actors (laughs) in class. And um, she kind of just fostered me into the theater company. And um, they decided to do a completely virtual season this year with a bunch of one-person productions. And she was looking for – they had three lined up, and they were looking for a fourth. And I was just meeting her for, you know, like an outside coronavirus walk one day. And she was like, hey, you know, we need another one. And I'm like, well, I have this show that I wrote. It probably might be right. And she's like, give it to me right now. And so that happened in like July or August. And then here we are. The show mm. is shot. So we shot the show in a lot in a theater. And it is being edited as we speak. And then it will be up online start a week from today. From today, I don't know when the podcast will come out, but we're shooting on a Thursday. And it comes out <laughs> on the 17th of December for four weekends. With with an audience or without an audience? No. Okay. No audience because coronavirus. Right, yeah. So we were, so we were just, um, just an empty theater. And I got to tell you, that was hard. <laughs> but, yeah. But, you know, that is really... It's a real challenge because you're expecting some feedback. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're expecting some kind of like return. And it's because it, you're in a theater space. You yeah. like, you know, you're not on like a film set where, you know, no one's going to be laughing and, you know, you're in your own space. It was very, very um, interesting to have that uh, empty void as you're performing. Yeah, uh, that would be tough. It's because yeah. you know, I think like doing a Zoom performance or something like that there's this kind of feeling of like, well, this is something I've never done or this is a new idea. So who knows what that's going to be like. But being in the space of a theater and it's definitely not a rehearsal. No. It's got to be. Yeah. Definitely not a rehearsal. No. (laughs) And I think it was just easier logistically if we did that as opposed to streaming it live and me performing it live to Mm -hmm. a link. I think the logistics of that probably would have made me a little bonkers um, and the rest of the producing team and and the, my director drew, um, I think it would have we would have all lost our minds if we had to like every Friday Saturday night like go live in a theater like and then stream it. I mean I don't I know that they they several theater companies in the world have done that, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like they've sustained it for several weekends. It's like a weekend you can watch it or Friday or Saturday, but like if you have to, would have to do that for a month, I feel like I'd go fucking crazy. Yeah, that would be it's so like. I hate, I feel like every conversation lately, obviously, has been like, wow, Corona's really affected, you know, what everything we're talking about. Yeah. But it, you know, it is what it is. You know, we're out here. We're all, uh, you know, all performing artists, I want to say, are kind of like dying for some kind of something. And so we turn to Zoom and we turn to, you know... I feel like Zoom's really the best one, but YouTube and Twitch and whatever else the fuck, you know, that's why I feel like you're seeing such a big um, blow up of a bunch of like Instagram comedians and TikTok comedians because like, what else the fuck are we doing? Yeah. And the content is not coming out fast enough. Like we're all like, you know, I've run out of shows. Like I've run out of shows to watch. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. I'm yeah. like, Ugh. Uh, I've like, I'm in this in between place of running out of shows well, I, except for, I feel so embarrassed saying I've been watching this show, My 600-Pound Life on, it's on no, TLC. No, I, it I hear it is a very good time, and everyone really enjoys watching it. Yeah. Don't be embarrassed. I'm watching a show called Repair Shop on Netflix, <laughs> which is about a bunch of British people repairing antiques in a thatched cottage. There's no anything that happens. It's just people bringing in their heirlooms to, like, get new leather. And I just, because I'm like, what else is there left? But it's hard. Like, I th- I realize, like, I keep trying to watch movies and, like, getting into these heavy series. And I feel like I know what's going to happen on mostly. Like, I know, like, My 600 Pound Life, it's always the exact same amount of time. It's always the same yep. structure. I know, okay, first half hour, we're going to get some backstory. And then we're going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's coming. Yes. And I don't have to really invest in anything. No. It feels hard right now to sometimes to like. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very hard to get right now because we're getting, I think we're all sitting in a little bit of fatigue of being in the same thing for so long. And like, you know, we know there's another six months of this potentially. Um, I think that um, we're all kind of just 
in, we're getting easily uh, more easily distracted. So like I'll be watching something on television at home, like after, you know, at the end of the day, and I'll still go to my phone and look at my phone. Even when I'm like, nothing has happened, girl, stop fucking <laughs> looking at your fucking phone. You know? Yeah. It's very tricky. <laughs> it's very tricky. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder how did the pandemic and Corona and empty theater did any of that have a positive effect on what your show has become? Oh, yes. I mean, 100%. We wouldn't be talking here today if I, the pandemic didn't happen for this particular show. So March happened. I was actually in a musical with the I Am A Theater Company. It feels like that's all I do. Listeners, that's not all I do, but <laughs> but bless you. Um, <laughs> um I was doing a musical with them that closed the weekend before we were locked down. Um, I actually got the coronavirus. Um, Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'll take that award. I appreciate it. Um, I have survived. It is no joke for any of those people who are ever questioning it out there. It's no joke. It hurts really, really bad. But I got it. That um, I think I contracted it on a Wednesday and Los Angeles locked down on Friday. I got it like w moments, moments before we locked down. Wow. Um, and after I recovered from that, I had to look at like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Because I do a lot of theater, especially out here in L.A. and or even in New York, too. I do. A, I just get around and I just I like to be busy. Even if the phone isn't ringing, I'm going to make the phone ring. So I turned to my friend Melissa, who I spoke about, and she was just like, you, you should take this time to write your show. And I'm like, no. She's like, you really should do that. And I was like, mm, get over yourself. She's like, no, you get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she forced me, literally, her and my other friend Byron, um, forced me to sit down and like write this fucking show. And so... Around April, I sat down to like do it. And at first, this show was a conglomeration of a bunch of different stories of my own life through the lens of a character that I created. And then the next version was similar to that. The next version after that was similar to that. And then the version that I finally got to, the one that we're that we taped and the one that you're about to see, that one um, is just me. Is just Tom DeTrinis telling his stories about his family. And it's um, a reflection about why I'm such an angry person, because I am actually inherently a very, very angry human being. And you wouldn't know it when you first meet me, because I, tr I, I have been taught through my life to like, that's not, don't, don't let anyone see that. Mm -hmm. So it is a lot about the duality of a human being, this show. And for me, it's about anger and what I present to the world and also um, things that make me angry and also um, what it was like to grow up in a really um, uh, Christian household and how that affected my anger and who I am. Um, so it kind of like all kind of goes together and it's called Making Friends because it's about how... Um, it's about the aspect of making friends and all of those other, you know, assets of my life coming into play when it's time to make friends. If that does that help? It does, <laughs> does that make any sense? <laughs> it does make sense. And I don't know whether I should like feel concerned about that, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> because I can relate to that sort of like being an angry person. I find myself getting super angry about, I mean, things we should be angry about, but also yes. just about like, why are you walking on that side of the sidewalk? Like you should be on the right hand side. Is this something you relate to? <laughs> 100%. I so I grew up on Long Island originally. Mm -hmm. I went to school in Buffalo and then I came out here to Los Angeles three weeks after I graduated from, uh, what's it called from college. And, um, anytime I go back to New York, my anger really triggers it. Like it is a, it's a spot for me in this is I talk a lot about this in the show about how New York city specifically triggers the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. And what you just said is one of my, one of my triggers. And I mention it in my show. It's funny that you say that. Oh, I, I love it. I just don't understand why you see a sidewalk, you know, that it's basically like a road. It's two lanes. Stick to your fucking lane on the sidewalk. And if you're in a group of people, 
don't take up the whole thing. Don't do it. Yeah. Do you like the thing that also makes me crazy is to me, this is a very important thing. Like when I I moved to New York, like 13, 13 years ago from Texas, where we drove Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, But when I got here, I was like, okay, that guy just looked really pissed off at me. And I don't know what I did. So let me figure that out. Let me me observe how Mm -hmm. people are behaving. And I'll do that, too. I don't understand why everyone does. This is not what I was planning on talking about today. But now I'm raving, too. No, it doesn't matter. Because really, this is what the show is about as well, is just triggers of anger and like what it means and why they're happening and like, you know, dissecting where it comes from and what it's covering, you know, like what, you know. So I totally understand what you're saying. Keep going. (laughs) Well, that was it. Like I and people are just different. I mean, that's the thing that I have to accept. And you have to really accept that in New York. Like. Not everyone notices this gigantic fucking arrow on the running lane <laughs> that says which way right. you should be going. Right. And it's not that but they're... You would expect, but you would expect just a little bit of smartness, like a little bit of common sense to like... Yeah. And it's not that you can't see it. It's very clear. It's mm-hmm. on the ground. You see it. You know it's there. <laughs> it's a different color than the ground. Yeah. Like on purpose. And there's That's no crazy. there's no good explanation. Like they they're either really stupid or they yes. don't care. Yes, uh, those are the only options. <laughs> no, oh, or it's a mixture of the two. It's one yeah. other or mixture, and the mixture is actually the worst because it's like, oh, you're a, you are a real monster human being. And sometimes <laughs> I just want to stop on the street and I just want to ask them. So, what was your mom like? Like, did your mom raise you like this? Like, if she knew you were such a selfish fuck. Would you would you be okay? Yeah. With that? <laughs> I love my my yeah. My sister and I run in Prospect Park sometimes and I have to like just stop because I'll go off because I I start thinking like what what was that person thinking like and yes. I want to stop people and be like hey I noticed you're like <laughs> riding your bike where it's people are walking and it's pictures of people and stuff. What what made you do that? Yes. What what made you decide, oh, I belong here. This is my world. And the same <laughs> thing happens here in L.A. for me when I'm driving. I have the same issue with people doing exactly that. They'll just drive however they want to drive. And I'm like, girl, there's other people on the road. There's yeah. 10 million people who live in Los Angeles. That's bigger than some states, than a whole state. And you feel like, oh, I, this is mine. See this? This is all mine when you're driving on the road. No! It is not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very triggering, Michael. Ooh, you got me. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Let's, let's breathe for a second, yeah, work it through. But, I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh, this angry bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was joining in with you, so we'll be yeah. bastards together. Great. There's a thing that you've said that... um. Wait, where? Oh, it says it's important to talk about anger, especially coming off of this presidency. We are also angry. We need to start recovering. Yes. And for you, this show is about healing, too. So we just ranted and raved about these like, yes, maybe small, definitely smaller than like having president number 45 in the world. Yes. Yes. So how what what's the recovery part or the, the healing part with your show anyway? For me, the healing part is talking about it and having the awareness of it. And bringing it to the public attention. Because I can talk about it all I want with my therapist. I can talk about it with my friends. Um, Ad nauseum. But I do feel like we, as a collective body of human beings, have to realize that we are angry. And the anger has been bubbling inside of us for four years. And he's about to leave. And we are going to have to do something about trying to recover from that because it affects every aspect of our lives. Even when we don't think it does, it does. Because if you remember when he was unfortunately put into the office Mm -hmm. and the energy in L.A. and New York was just like, like someone took the rug out. You walked around the streets and everyone looked like death on their face. And it was the same thing that happened when President Bush was elected the second time. And then when Obama was elected and even when Biden was elected, like when I found out he won that Saturday, like he officially won, I just broke down crying. And I remember when Obama won the very first time, people were crying and cheering because it was the release. Mm -hmm. People don't realize we're all connected in this strange way, which I think, you know – 
is very woo-woo to say, but I do think that we all are, especially in these big cities where like we're around everyone's energy and everyone else so much that we do pick up. Like when you're walking on the street and you know that person is no good and you have to like move to the side or go to the other side of the street, how do you know that? You know that because the energy, something shifts. Something you're like, this is weird. So in the same way, I think we need to all recognize that we've been collectively like pent up for four years on top of being caught inside for, you know, nine months, we've all got this anger that we either need to address or we need to address period, I think. And writing this show was an opportunity for me to heal that, to heal it from the past, to move on from the, to move to the future and to kind of just recognize, Hey, I'm an angry person and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being an angry person. You know, I can't yeah. hurt other people. I don't want to hurt other people with my anger. And sometimes I can't, I need to not hurt myself with my anger because some a lot of the times, I feel like 70% of the times the anger is actually towards my own self. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the healing that I'm talking about. And whether I'm overt in the show or whether you feel it from the show or whether it needs to, you know, go even deeper, that is, you know, remains to be seen. We'll see when you guys watch it. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But uh, I think that's what it was really – that's kind of what I meant when I said it's about healing, especially coming off of this and realizing it's going to take – I think it's going to take like a solid long time for us to not look at our phones every day and be like, what fresh hell happened today? You know, Because for four years, almost every day, at least once a week, he did something. Or his cabinet did something. Or something happened for four years without fail. Like just um, um, put yourself in that situation of just like, oh my God, we've been abused. We've been abused for this long. Which is why so many people still voted for him. Because those motherfuckers don't know they're abused. You know when you talk to your friend who's clearly in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and you're like, bro, you got to get out of this shit. And they're like, no, I don't. He beats me because he loves me. It's like, okay, yeah. okay. And that person has to figure it out for themselves. Those people will hopefully, I pray, and it's I don't know if it's possible, maybe some of them, maybe not, but I pray that when he's not in the public eye every fucking day, it will start to, like the, ch- the shackles will start to loosen and you'll be like, oh, fuck, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I like so A much of that. Bit. I'm like, the, the whole abusive relationship thing, and the gaslighting, like the whole like gaslighting, hit, like all so anyway, <laughs> anyway we all yeah. yes, yes. I mean yeah, I know everyone understands and uh, and everyone can kind of relate, but that is really how the the emotion behind why I decided to do this and why it happened right now and why it happened during the pandemic. It kind of was like a perfect storm of all of these things lining up to be like here you go, and I and I barfed out this show. Mm. Um, I'm curious about the barfing out process of the show. <laughs> like literally, because you, you talked about how, you know, you were like, okay. And then you sat down and did it. Is there like a particular process or even ritual around what your writing is like? I am a new writer. Um, so um, I had to learn from those around me. And um, Melissa, who I spoke about, she forced me because <laughs> writing is very uncomfortable in that it's just alone time and alone time is sometimes really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and every second of the process i thought it was terrible i still think it's terrible i just filmed it and i'm i had like seven other sweaty 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 moments over the past week of since i filmed it to now where i'm like oh people are gonna say like it's not that great it's terrible the work itself think, yeah the show itself the is what itself, you're feeling. yes okay. And I, what I would say to anyone who's in the process of writing or who wants to try it out, know that that's normal. Mm-hmm. So all of my writer friends who I spoke to about this and the writers who I had watched it to give me notes and the readings that I did of it, I was like, is this how I'm supposed to be feeling? And every one of them was like, you are on point. You always feel like it's shit. Writing is rewriting. They were like, just put it on the paper. And then once it's on the paper, you can go back and fix anything you want. I scrapped this show seven or eight times. I went back to a page one rewrite. 
Oh, like literally. Yes. Scorched so earth. Like, for like, example, done. like I told you there, I, I had a version of the show. I had another version of the show. I had another version of the show. And then I had this version of the show. And then even this version of the show, there was a 40 page script. Then I went back and I rewrote it. And then it was like a 30 page script. And then I went back and rewrote it. And then it was like 28 or 27. And I finally landed around 28. But I rewrote from page one many times. Now, granted, I took stuff from the other ones and I piecemealed it together. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk, when I say like blank to start many times. Hmm. And the ritual that helped through all of this was setting a timer for about 25 minutes. And you put it on for 25 minutes and I just would work. Sometimes the work would just be me talking about how much I hated it. And I would just stream of conscious it and just be like, this fucking sucks. Everyone hates me. I'm worthless. And I would just keep writing. And eventually that, that shit would stop. And I would actually find uh-huh. that stuff would stop because it, it, for me personally, the stream of consciousness is an unblocker. That is how I unblock myself and get out of my own way. And the timer helps because it's only 25 minutes. You can do anything for 25 minutes. You want to clean your room? Set a timer for 25 minutes, rest for 10. Set a 25, rest for 10. And when I say rest for 10, you walk away from the computer. You get a snack. You get some water. You go to the bathroom. You walk away. Go back for 25. And I called them, Melissa and I called them, sessions she was like hey i'm gonna she'd text me be like hey i'm gonna do a few sessions today and we get together on zoom or facetime and we would just put each other on mute work for 25 minutes and then wave when it was time and we'd be like hey how did that go great oh my gosh this and that chat 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 and then we'd go back for another 25 Mm. it creates an environment that is not so like when you look out into the, the Grand Canyon, you're like, this is so fucking big. This makes it very much just like, just walk just walk a little bit here and then like a little bit here and then a little bit there. Like it, it kind of demystified the process a little bit. And, um, and what else? Because for me, writing, I was very scared about dialogue because I am first trained as an actor. So I know... <laughs> what good dialogue is and what isn't good dialogue. And so I was very judgmental of what I was writing because I was like, this bullshit, this is so bullshit. Mm -hmm. But what every other writer also told me, other incredible piece of advice that I would like to impart, is that sometimes you need to just write exactly what it is. Very on the nose. I am walking on the stage. And then keep on writing. When you go back, sometimes you'll realize, oh, doesn't sound as cheesy as you thought. And sometimes you'll be like, oh, I know a better choice here. You just have to be boring. Mm-hmm. Be Drew, my director, who is a fucking genius, and I've worked with him for many a project. He's like, dare to be boring. Dare to be boring. You can always fix it. Yeah. So I really appreciated all of that. And I I and I and when I when if anyone's listening, I would say reach out to your friends who have written other things, novels, uh, scripts, whatever it is, if you're into writing or you want to try writing, and just ask your friends if they if they'd like to be your accountability partner. This is so cheesy, but like it's so you know, valuable. but it's very very helpful. And because of my friend being my accountability partner, several weeks during the pan- during the pandemic, when what else were we fucking doing? You know, thankfully, <clears throat> I was still going to therapy, so I didn't go into like depression mode because a lot of my friends, God love them, this de- this pandemic also really hurt their mental state. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's really hard to write in a mental state of just like depression and anxiety and paranoia and what am I going to do about money and what I'm going to do whatever. And uh, thankfully, I didn't fall into that. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to write this if I did, if I would have been able to push through it. And I would like to send out any kind of special hearts and loves to anyone who is going through that because I know you want to write, but you can't because you are completely in your own way of like the depression and whatever the fuck this world is. And to those people, I say that's fine and Mm -hmm. that's okay. You've got to be kind to yourself in that respect because... I had to be. I had to learn through this process to be kinder to myself. That's really what it also shone a light on. It was just like, hey, you're really mean to yourself when it comes to writing. You were like nasty. Um, be be kinder. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, like all of that makes me think of, you know, that what you were saying about people trying to write and then beating themselves up when they can't write, but it's not their fault. They're depressed. You know, I think of it. And when we were talking about anger, too, I have that. And you mentioned feeling a lot of anger toward yourself. You know, when Mm -hmm. I find myself getting angry about the guy walking down the sidewalk on the wrong side or whatever, I judge him. And then I judge myself for being mad about something so dumb. Why are you so mad about that? You can't even, you know what I mean? And I think we like get in these cycles as humans or maybe as particularly neurotic humans um, where that kind of thing, we just make it worse and worse and worse. We do. And I think I I talk a little bit about that in this show as well, about the round and round and round and how Mm -hmm. like you want to punch a hole through the wall and then how you want to punch a hole through the wall because you want to punch a hole through the wall and just kind of like that loop that you go on. And I, what I think is important and what makes me feel better is that you feel the same. Yeah. You know, like you, you get upset because you're upset about that person walking on the sidewalk like an idiot, which I think just proves that you're a human. Like, Hey, I actually have compassion towards other people. I'm not a sociopath. I'm not going to fucking murder someone. Great. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I, I find it comforting to know, and that's why I turn to other writers around me, bringing it to that, uh, why I turn to other writers around me when I was like, help me. I'm, cri- I'm, I don't know what to do. You know, they were like, Hey, everything you're feeling is what I feel every moment. And I'm telling you from beginning writer to very established writer. And because I, I spoke to some writers who are very established in this process, and they said the same thing. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, I think everything I do is trash. I'm like, you? <laughs> For those who aren't listening, no. we just had a very nice punctuation oh, yes. there with you looking over your glasses. <laughs> I did. Yes, I had a very nice. I you always use <laughs> my glasses as a prop. Um, I'm sad you guys can't see that. Oh, well. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll use this video as a promo. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, so... I think uh, I think art is is uh, built by community. So I would say if you are interested in writing something or doing something, look to the community around you. You will find someone. Those people will find their way. Like I have worked almost everything I've created. Let me make sure it's true. Everything I've created is because I worked with other people in a capacity of like a producing partner, a writing partner, a, a team of actors, um, you know, or another director, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've always worked with other people. So I, I, you know, I find I like to create stuff by committee, by bringing other people around. Even when I was writing this on my own, I still was writing with a committee. I still had four people or five people that I would go to all the time and be mm. like, can you look at this? Is this working? Oh, I love that. That's a great, yeah. yeah. It's a good reminder, even with solo performers. Like, even with solo performers. Yeah. You need someone to listen or watch it or read it in order for you to know if it's working or not. You need that. I mean, you know, that's why, that's why you know, even novelists and nonfiction writers have editors. That's why everyone has someone else double check it. I think very rarely do you see something that's like, I've written it or I've created it and there you go, bye-bye. I mean, maybe the only field I can think of is like maybe painting, but I don't know enough about that art in order for me to make an assessment about it. But, you know, when it comes to the entertainment arts, it's it's always by many, many people. Like the TV shows you see, do you know how many people touch that Mm. from the time that the writer wrote it? You've got studio executives, you've got network executives, you've got assistants, you've got the writer, you've got the director, you've got the actors. So many hands by the time that you see it. It's kind of like, it's like a, it's like a fucking, like, its own city by the time that you see it on your television screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. It's crazy. I know it is crazy to think about because when you think, when, you know, when you go to interviews and you watch things online about the people who created it, it's like this one person or these two people. Bitch, no. <laughs> <laughs> there was some other people there. There's so many people. Like this show has 
my director, myself, of two producers. Then there's the artistic team at the theater company is like four or five people who kept watching it all the time. Then I, during the readings of this in September and in, and in November, I had like 10 people watch it every time because I was like, I need, and I was very specific about that the people I handpicked to watch it because I was like, I want your eye. I chose like my friend who's a novelist and um, who works in marketing. I chose my friend who's a playwright. I chose my friend who's really good at comedy. I chose my friend who's an amazing director and TV executive. I was just like, I've got other colors of the rainbow to look at this to make sure I am really thinking about it from a bigger picture than just, you know, the, you know, the, um, the singular focus of just me. Yeah. Woo. I love, yeah, I love it. I love thinking about all this kind of stuff and these processes and it like feeds me and gets me going. Cause I've been, good. well, I, I'm, I'm getting to the other side of my like pandemic funk. Oh, um, good. But, uh, it, it, this is, this is what's been so great about the podcast is like, I talk to other artists all the time and there's a lot of moments. I'm like, okay, come on. They're doing it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So yeah. it's that community yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. You know, and hearing more stories about people struggling actually makes it help more helpful for you. Yeah. And like my friend last night, he and I were texting back and forth and, you know, he was, um, I think he, it, uh, we were talking about how the social media apps kind of like don't help that, you know, that inner angry little bitch who hates what you're doing, your own self, what you're doing. Cause you look on there and it's completely false and everyone looks like they're having the best time of their lives. And they're all like super rich and beautiful and like everyone's so happy. And you realize that is all goddamn fake mm -hmm. and it doesn't help because what else are we doing again? Yeah. Like going on our phones, going on our computers, watching TV, like all we're seeing is shiny, shiny, beautiful things. Yeah. Except for those moments when I seek out shitty things there to you be go. pissed off about oh you mean the mariah carey christmas special i have oh, not sure. seen it yet That's... but i'll, <laughs> that I'll check was, it that was wonderful and terrible at the same time uh it's on my list it's on my list this holiday Ooh, season boy. listen her. we should we should wrap up this part of our conversation you got it um the show opens december 17th right and it runs yes. online till january 11th i feel like i'm i'm reading notes here I, I'm, I didn't magically just have it memorized um yeah so i'll put all the uh information on the show notes for this episode um anything else i left oh we should talk about where to find you online and social media all that kind of stuff where should people go Sure. After I was like, social media is trash. Come follow me. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the welcome to life. Um, I I am on Instagram at Detrinis, which is just my last name, D-E-T-R-I-N-I-S. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter, but I rarely use Twitter because um, I just don't. Um, uh, but that is at TDT. T-E-E-D-E-T-E-E. -E 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 -E. It's complicated. Or you can go to my website, which is detrinus.com, and there's links and information there that you can go and look. Perfect. Um, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, no, the interview can't be over yet, you're in luck. There, we're going to talk for a few more minutes and do a little bonus podcast episode for Patreon. So if you're not subscribed, you can go to patreon.com slash Michael Heron and um, listen to a little bit more of our conversation. Uh, thanks for joining me, Tom. I can't wait to see the show. I'm like, oh. I was already excited, but now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh, this is my this is my thing. Like, I have to see this show. <laughs> oh, great. Good. Great. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Never left the state, but she's flying to Oregon. Rekindled her Arkansas. High school boyfriend, it's been 15 years since they've even held hands And she's telling this all to her seatmates She's nervous on planes, and maybe in general She's chomping on chewing gum Got thoughts on millennial sons, 16 and 20 she left them at home and she's sitting in seat 16B. The fasten seatbelt signal is bright and these people are traveling all day and night. Land at three, hopefully there's a first time. 
for everything. From the album How to Cook Everything, that was Hello Emerson with Seat 16B. I played them on a couple of episodes ago, um, and this song, woo, I hadn't seen it yet. There's a live version of this you could find on YouTube. It's definitely worth checking out. 
if I recall correctly, it was recorded like right before pandemic lockdown stuff. Um, so that's it for today. That's it for 2020. Thanks for going on this podcast ride with me this year. It feels like it was a really solid year with the podcast, um, which feels great considering it was not so solid in a lot of different ways. I feel a little bit like suspicious or what's the word when you, uh, not suspicious. Come on. The word for when you don't walk under ladders and stuff. No, I can't think of it. I think this is what happens when you get in your fifties. Like things just don't come to you anymore. Um, I, I feel superstitious, <laughs> superstitious about saying, Oh, thank God this year is over. Here's to another good year. Cause everyone said that in 2019, everyone says that every year, like, Oh, thank God this year is over. Let's maybe don't say that now. Let's just tomorrow is tomorrow. Um, and let's make the best of whatever we're given that that's my magical word for you uh thank you sincerely thank you for listening to this podcast it it means a lot to look and see that someone has downloaded and listened to this um making things like this and you know making music and making art people who do creative stuff as much as i'll speak for myself it, it really, really matters to me that you care about this project that I do. So thank you. Thank you for downloading it. If, if I've never heard from you and you listen to and enjoy the show, send me an email, mikeypod at gmail.com. You might be thinking, oh, he gets a lot of emails. He does his podcast, whatever. I don't. <laughs> like I rarely hear from anyone. There are a handful of people I hear from regularly who are regular listeners other than that, I just see the downloads, which is great. If you don't want to send me an email, don't feel pressured to do so. But if you're not sending me an email because you think I probably won't see it or something like that, send the email. I'll see it and it will matter. Uh, so anyway, thank you for listening this year and I will see you next week.